Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast in this week's adult Bible study and this week's edition of The Classroom as we are continuing through the book of Hebrews. Today we've come to chapter 3 and we're just going to look at the first six verses. We're actually going to go back in the Old Testament for a short minute as well. And uh, so I hope you enjoy this study and then next week we are combining at our church. So there won't be a Hebrew study next week. You may have noticed there wasn't a Thursday podcast this week, and that um, it was just a, just a long week, and uh, I thought I'm going to give it a week, see how I feel, see if we decide to record one for next Thursday, and if not, uh, we'll still bring this, the Hebrews right now, and uh, we'll see if we get back onto uh, Thursday routine. So without further ado, let's jump into Hebrews chapter 3. Let's take our Bibles and go to back to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to also go to Numbers here in a little bit. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. It's where we left off. We are just making our way through the book of Hebrews. Our hopes are to get to the summer and be around chapter 10. I don't know if we'll make it. We're going to have a couple of interruptions, but to be at chapter 10 in all of our classes. And then we'll take the summer off. We'll do kind of a breakout. And just do some teach uh, three or four different classes on different subjects. You can choose. Then we'll come back after the summer and finish out the book of Hebrews. Spend some time in chapter eleven. We can spend a lot of time in chapter eleven if we wanted, and go from there. But we have made our way to chapter three, and we're only going to cover six verses. Now, verses seven through into chapter four, I've I've spent a lot of time on before, and I, I enjoy those verses. So I was tempted to go a little farther, but. All of our classes seem like we're going to stop at verse 6. So let's, uh, let's look, start at verse 1, because then that will tell us to go back. Because you remember the word wherefore. When you see wherefore or you see the word therefore, those two words are the beginning of a chapter. Remember, chapters weren't in the Bible then. But um, those two words tell us we need to go back and get some context. So he says, Wherefore, based on what I've just told you, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So wherefore ties this back to the, to the context. And the immediate context in chapter number two is he was talking about Jesus as a merciful and faithful high priest. So he'll kind of continue that. But we were talking in chapter two about Jesus Christ and his humanity, that that Jesus became man and the reason why he became man. And then if we went back a little deeper in context, which I think he was in chapter 1, we were talking about Jesus is God. And specifically that he was better, he's greater. And I said in throughout the book of Hebrews, he is going to be talking about how Jesus is greater. Now, as I've said, one of the most difficult tasks in teaching through the book of Hebrews is trying to convince a class of Gentiles 2,000 years removed from this that they need to consider what it's like to be like a Jewish believer back 2,000 years ago. Because we're Gentiles 2,000 years removed from this. No one in here came in thinking, you know what, because today we're going to talk about how Jesus is better than Moses. Nobody came into this class except for Nate thinking, and he's done, all right? No. <laughs> Nobody came into this class thinking Moses is actually better than Jesus. I don't think anyone came in here to... And in the first week, I don't think anybody came in saying, you know what, those prophets were better than Jesus. Nobody said the angels are better than Jesus. And so one of the most tricky parts about all of this is, is having us think from the perspective 
of these Jews back then, and then allowing to make the application to how we actually do similar things today. But in today's context, we're going to see how really how high that God viewed Moses, how high these Jews viewed Moses, but then how Jesus is even better. And so in chapter 1, he showed that Jesus was better than the prophets. He was better than the angels. He's In chapter 2, um, he continued that thought with the angels, but showed his humanity. But now he says, wherefore, holy brethren. So he's, the word holy brethren, he's talking to believers. Holy is the idea of separated. We're separated unto Jesus Christ because of what we talked about last week, that Jesus died. He, he, he suffered for us. And so we are holy brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why sometimes you'll hear someone, someone call them. If you go to a church, you'll say, oh, that's Sister Karen. or sister. And, and for people that aren't church people, sometimes that seems a little weird. And so I don't always do that. If I'm pins on what context, it's because I'm like, oh, they may not know what that means. But it comes from things like this. We are brethren in Christ. So you can say Sister Nicole if we wanted, all right? And it doesn't mean she's a nun. I don't think she is. It just means that she's my the sister in Christ. Uh, and so sometimes you go into some of these churches and you'll hear people reference that because we are brethren in Jesus Christ. We are, as it says in the next phrase, partakers of the heavenly calling. What does that mean? We were called by God. We were, um, be careful not to go down the, it's not the Calvinistic type of thinking of called. It just means this, that God in his love called out for us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. God in his love called out to us. And, and, and he drew us into himself. He in, invited us, as the Bible says, he invited us to come. And we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. We were partakers of the heavenly calling. We have received this together. So we are brethren and sistern in here because of what we've received of Jesus Christ. I think the heavenly calling goes beyond that. Because we could go to some other verses probably, but beyond just, just the heavenly calling of salvation, now we are called to represent Christ. We are called in 1 Corinthians, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassador, you know, would go to another country and represent your country. We are ambassadors of heaven, though we've never been there. We represent our heavenly Father. We're called to represent Him. So when I go to the bank tomorrow, well, tomorrow I got training, but tomorrow when I go to Plainfield, right, Leah? Don't forget. All right, she works with me. When we go to Plainfield, we will be ambassadors for Christ at where the place that we work. You're an ambassador for Christ. Where you go, it's a calling that you have. There's other callings on your life that God has given you that we are to do. And so, so I, though I think he's talking about here in the context of salvation, there is a responsibilities that we have. And we're going to, I'm setting that up for a reason because of where he's going to go to here in just a minute. But there's a, we have a heavenly calling. And then he says, consider. I love when the Bible uses that word consider. It's also in Haggai several times. But he says, consider. I want, this is something I want you to think about. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, it seems kind of funny to me in chapter 3, he's getting to this. And again, I say that. He's not thinking chapter 3 in his mind. This, he's just been writing several words. But it's funny, it's funny that now he's saying consider Jesus because that's all this book has been about so far. Chapter 1, we considered that Jesus is creator. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. We've been considering his humanity in chapter 2. But now he says, hey, consider Jesus. It's interesting, though. 
I think about this quite often. Consider has the idea of kind of sit back and think about it. Remember in the Psalms when you're reading those Psalms and as you read them, there's a pause every once in a while and it says what? It says Selah. And that means to pause and to reflect. And back then they were writing those pauses into it and I think we need people to write those pauses into our lives today because what are our lives? They're busy. doesn't matter if you're retired in here or not. Our lives can get busy. And we never pause and consider. We, we never take time to just think and worship God. We, we're constantly moving. Like, well, I'll get that worship time in on Sunday. Well, you know what? I, we can worship God tomorrow. We can spend some time with Him tomorrow. We need to stop and consider Him tomorrow. And, and we get so busy that we've, we often don't consider. But he wrote it in here again. He said, consider two things specifically. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Why would he use those two words? We don't see those two words very often. I, I don't even remember, and I think Brian said this when we were talking before, my brother, he said, I don't ever remember hearing Jesus called an apostle and used in that phrase. The word apostle just means one sent from God. And that's what chapter 1 was teaching us, that Jesus was sent from God. He was sent with a message, he was, and the message was salvation. He was sent to die. So Jesus, is his apostleship means he was sent from God for us with a message. That's the message of hope, the message of salvation. But it in, in also calls him a high priest. Well, what does that mean? The high priest is the opposite. The apostle is sent from God to man. The high priest means representing man to God. Because now, as a high priest, he goes to God, on, and he, he offers this, he's offered himself this sacrifice on our behalf. Who was the, now you, don't, you don't have to answer this, but the, the high priest, the first high priest was Aaron. And then as there was a high priest during the Old Testament, it was only the high priest that could go into the Holy of Holies. And he can only go in a certain time of the year, and he had to go, and he, and he could only go in, um, it's certain there's all these requirements before the high priest could go in. Not everybody could go in. But when that veil, that veil was broken representing that the, the separation really, in one sense, the separation of God and man, now we can go into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. But Jesus still is considered the high priest. He represents us to God. But he's also the apostle representing God to us. And so he's both of these. And he had a message, and his message is clear. We can read through in the Gospels, and I hope you're reading your Bible and spending some time that you read through the Gospels. You hear the message of Jesus to us. It is clearly the message of salvation, but there's also more to it. There's more to, than just salvation. You remember when he told us to love one another. Remember when he told us to forgive? He tells us uh, through his Sermon on the Mount, there's all kinds of stuff, but there's a message been given to us. But then thankfully, he's also our high priest. He says, consider Christ. And I'm going to challenge to you is, do you ever just take some time to consider who Jesus Christ is? Just to consider, just to think about his love for us and his love for you. Do we ever just consider Christ? But then in verse 2, then he says, he's in context, so there's a, uh, the sentence is continuing. He says, who, so Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him. When Christ came, he was faithful to his father God. He fulfilled exactly what God wanted him to do. He was and he is faithful. 
And that's a characteristic he's going to show that prove in a minute that Moses was faithful. By application, he's saying to you and I, we've got to be faithful. And we're going to get to that by verse 6, but you and I, we need to be faithful as well. If Jesus Christ, our apostle, the apostle, the high priest, uh, the one that we are to be considering is faithful, then you and I, in whatever calling God has in our life, we need to be faithful. It's one of the greatest characteristics you can have is to be faithful. Remember in the Proverbs, it says, a faithful man who can find. Everyone likes to proclaim, in the first part of that proverb, it says, I'm paraphrasing, but everybody likes to proclaim their own goodness. Everybody will say, hey, I'm good, I'm good. But God says, but a faithful man who can find. That's what we're looking for, faithfulness. You remember if you go into the Gospels, when Jesus was teaching on faithfulness, there was a, the, the, the talents that were given out and what was to be done with those talents. And he came back and remember those words, you always hear preachers say those words that he said to the one that was faithful. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithfulness is a characteristic that God looks for in our lives. Not fame, not Facebook friends, not Instagram likes, not the best whatever. He's looking for faithfulness. And why is that such a difficult thing? Well, because we're always pulled to be unfaithful. Trials come, get discouraged, get frustrated, get angry. What's the result? Go be unfaithful. Stop being faithful. You got There's a constant tension to pull away, pull us away from being faithful. But similar to, remember Jesus? In this, I know we got to go back a week in our mind, but look at chapter 2, verse 18. It says in chapter 2, verse 18, For in that he himself, talking about Jesus, had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure, to help them that are tempted. So even Jesus, who was faithful, it's easy just to say, well, Jesus was faithful because everything was easy. Well, he was tempted as well. Now, he wasn't tempted like as you are and I are because we, don't, we have a flesh. But he went through those temptations so that he could help us, it says. He was faithful. He was faithful. And so we need to be faithful as well. But he goes on, he says, Consider Jesus, who was faithful to him, to God, that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Now, this would just seem to come out of nowhere. Now, I told you guys in the introduction that I'm going to talk about Moses, so you kind of knew it was coming. But if you're a Jewish believer just reading this letter, you're going to be reading like, oh, okay, Jesus is faithful. They've come out of their Judaism. They, 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 have, they have claimed that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, which is big for a Jew back then, 2,000 years ago, because I mean, even like the Jews today, a lot of them don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. So that was a big deal. But they remember, we've talked about in the introduction, they're tempted to kind of go back to Judaism or put themselves back under because it was more comfortable. Their family's there. There's a lot of per persecution to these Christians. And so they're considered, but they're reading this letter and it says, okay, Jesus is faithful and everything. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he says, just like Moses was faithful now to us, we're just like, okay, we know Moses, part of the Red Sea, all this. But when you say Moses to a Jew, they're going, whoa, Moses is a big deal. And Moses is not only a big deal, but God thinks Moses is a big deal. Go, hold your spot right here. Let's go to Numbers real quick. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. I want to read you a few verses from Numbers chapter 12. In verse 1, it says, And Miriam and Aaron, so Miriam is Moses' sister, Aaron his brother, spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. 
For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. So they're mad at their brother, fighting. You ever seen kids do that? But they're not kids anymore. They're adults. But they're fighting. And they say, well, God's not just using you. God's speaking by us too. That's what Miriam and Aaron said. They were kind of taking up some pride. Like, well, hey, you're not the only person here. It's us too. And, and so verse 3, now the man Moses was very meek. Interesting. Love that phrase. Don't have time to get to it. But he was meek. Above all the men that are on the face of the earth. That's pretty strong. That's a strong statement there by God in the Bible. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. So he comes immediately to the defense of Moses. I think this is why the Jews love Moses so much. But this is God's view of Moses. So he immediately he hears them ridicule him. He comes immediately. Moses wouldn't defend himself. He was a meek man. But God comes and he says this. And, and, and he spoke to Moses and Aaron and Miriam. says, come out the three into the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down to the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words. Can you imagine? I wonder how scared they were. I mean, let's just stop for a second. How scared? When my mom said to us, kids, hey, you three come here. I was scared to death. I can't imagine. Huh? With that voice. With that voice. And she's got linebacker tendencies. I was scared. But if dad said it, man, he's a pushover. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. Dad was, he was scary too. But I'm saying God has spoken. And God said, you three come here. And then he said, Miriam and Aaron, come here. And he says, um, let's go back, verse 5. And the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Got the idea of face to face, even apparently, and not in dark speeches and similitude of the Lord as he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. <laughs> That's how God views Moses. His brothers came and sister and said, Hey, you're you're just like us. You're nobody. God immediately comes down and says, Hey, you two, come here. He says, I speak to these prophets and visions and dreams and everything. I speak to Moses mouth to mouth. Face. He hears me. He's my servant. He's faithful. And so he got their attention. I think Miriam got her attention a little bit, although she tried it again later and got leprosy. But it got her attention, got Aaron's attention. So now these Jews know this. They've, they had to memorize these scriptures. They know this stuff. And they come verse chapter back in Hebrews now, verse 3, he says, or he, he, in verse 2, he says, and also Moses was faithful in all his house. The word house here is going to come up six times. House is not referring to the house that you live in. House is referring to the people. Moses was faithful to the Israelites. He was faithful to his house, his people, the Israelites. He was a faithful leader to those people. He, now, Moses was a murderer early on. We know that. But God calls him faithful. He, he served those people. Think of how many times. We studied through Exodus, remember? Think of how many times Moses would, 
do something and God would tell them to do and then those people would complain. Remember what they used to say all the time? Boy, we wish we were back in Egypt. And Moses would say, God, what am I going to do with these people? He was faithful to those people. And I think the Jews knew this. They understood this. They've, been, they've heard this. They've taught this. So he's making a comparison here that Jesus is faithful. Moses was faithful to all his people. Verse 3, for this man was counted worthy, Jesus he's referring to, of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as who hath builded the house hath more honor than he the house. And so now he's, he's showing that he's making a quick contrast here. He says, even though Moses was faithful as a man, Jesus is so much more faithful. He is so much more greater. And, and so he is the, he's not just the, he's the one who has builded this house. He is the creator in a sense. He, he's better than all. And verse four says, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So he, hey, he said, this is not an indictment on Moses. I didn't bring Moses up just to tear Moses down. Moses was a great man. That's why I went back over to Numbers to show you what God thought of Moses. He defended Moses immediately. He called him the meekest man in all the land. He said, he's my servant. He said, he is faithful. All of those things that everyone in this room ought to desire. Man, I would love for God to refer to me as the meekest man, a servant and faithful. That'd be great quality to strive after. Moses was all of those things. But he's saying nothing can compare to who Jesus is. He's God. Now again, I don't think anybody came in here saying, I dare you to try to convince me that Moses is not better than Jesus. Nobody did. Now we can debate other things. We could debate the dunk contest last night. My boys were debating it on the way here and who was better dunks and who should have won that. And we could debate that stuff. But no one's going to debate, Did is Moses better than Jesus? But both were faithful. But he's telling these Jews that are struggling. They're thinking about, should I, should I go back into Judaism where Moses is, he's big. Moses gave us those Ten Commandments. Put ourselves back under those laws that Moses taught us. Put us back under those, those, those sacrifices that Moses and Aaron taught us. Should I go back to that? Because Moses was faithful. And he's saying, hey, God's more faithful. Now, I don't think anyone in this room today is going to be struggling saying, you know what, I'm considering going back to Judaism. But there are times that we go back to things that we think are more faithful. Now, we would never say they're more faithful to God, but we believe that the, 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 the benefits of going back to this life are more faithful than the benefits of God because we feel like he's, not fa he's failed us. He's not been faithful to us. And this lie of Satan convinces us that God is not faithful. And that he's not been faithful to us because if he was faithful, then this trial wouldn't have happened. If he's faithful, then this, this job loss wouldn't have, whatever it may be. But the truth is, the truth that we need to see from this is we need to consider who Jesus is. Don't forget, don't, don't let Satan rob you of considering. Consider Jesus. He's faithful. He's not failed us. He's greater than the heroes of the Bible that we talk about. He is the faithful high priest. He's the faithful apostle to us. He is faithful. And if he as our father is faithful, as, our, as he talks often about in this, in coming about our brethren, if he is faithful, 
then we ourselves ought to strive for faithfulness. See, yeah, but life's tough. It was for Jesus too. He was tempted. He died on the cross. He was faithful. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. doesn't matter. God was faithful. We need to be faithful. Faithfulness ought to be a characteristic that we strive for. Then he says in verse 6, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast in confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm until the end. I think he's challenging. There's a, that's a deep verse, verse 6, deeper than we're going to get today. But he was saying to these Jewish believers that lacked confidence, that really lacked a rejoicing at this point. Boy, they had been persecuted. They were discouraged. And he's saying to them, basically, if you hold fast to Jesus Christ, you're going to find confidence and rejoicing. Hold fast to Jesus. And, and, and so what happens in my life, so I got saved at 12. Okay, I'll use me as an illustration because I don't know. I mean, I believe every one of you in here are saved, but I don't know your testimony, so I know mine. I got saved, I say 12, I could have been 11. Okay, but if I get to heaven now after saying 12 my whole life and God's like, you were actually 11, I'm be like, oh, I knew it, I should have, but I was 11 or 12, okay? And I got saved. So I'm not losing my salvation. I'm not holding fast to Jesus as a sense of security of my salvation. But you know what, what sometimes slips is my fellowship with God. Sometimes I get discouraged or I get in sin and that fellowship is gone. You know what goes with, when, when fellowship leaves, you know what also leaves? Confidence and rejoicing. Because when we're not in fellowship with God, we're not holding fast to that relationship with God as we should, and I'm now out of fellowship with God, boy, I don't have any confidence now. I don't have confidence in prayer life. I don't have confidence that when I read, open the Bible, I'm going to get anything from it. I don't have confidence when I go to church, I'm going to get anything. Now, we always blame that on God or the preachers or something else. Well, the Bible's just dry. I don't get anything. Or you're not in fellowship with God. Well, you know, that preacher, he just doesn't feed me. Or you're just not in fellowship with God. Could be that, but could be you're not in fellowship with God. You know, I just don't see, you know, Shell always sees the answer to prayer. I don't see answer to prayer. Well, it may not be. She could be a giant prayer warrior, or it could just be that I'm not in fellowship with God, and she is. And so we, when you hold fast, we lose. When we don't hold fast to that fellowship, then we, we, we lose our confidence in God, and then there's no rejoicing. There's no rejoicing. You know, it's just we're down and discouraged and frustrated. Why? Because we're not holding fast to all that we have, the faithful God that we have. But when we do, we find the confidence and we find, we find the rejoicing and, it, and the hope and firm till the end. Remember that verse in Philippians says, he, he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're constantly, God's working on us. You know what? I want to be faithful, but I'll probably mess up this afternoon. I want to be faithful, but there's going to be times when I, when I fail. But part of faithfulness is getting right with God, getting back to in fellowship with Him, and just continuing to consider our faithful high priest, our faithful apostle Jesus Christ, the one who loves us, the one who died for us. Consider Him. And don't allow our mind to be distracted. Don't allow our heart to be discouraged like these Jewish believers were. But allow our minds to fix itself and hold fast on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.